Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's the Ice House Fit Podcast. I'm Coach Jeremy. I'm Coach Mo. We're talking fitness, nutrition, mindset, and recovery, as always. And leading into our topic for this week, what are we talking about? This is a this is going to be fun. So we're going a little bit off the rails, and we're going to talk about yes and. And we're going to talk about that through mostly fitness. And of course, we're going to sprinkle in some good healing mindset stuff in there. And we just decided to do a podcast of all of the times that Jeremy and I have said, yes, and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I always think of when I think of yes, and I always think of back to my theater days that that is rule number one of improv. Yeah. Like if you think about life as it's one big improv skit, honestly. It really is. Because yeah. uh, there's, this, there's this amazing quote by a comedian that I really love called Dylan Moran. Mm-hmm. You think you're an adult. You're not an adult. No. You're an overgrown child holding a beer, having a conversation they don't understand. Yes. And that is like, the second I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, we're all, even the, even the experts, even the people at the tops of their fields, we're all just making it up. Just making it up. <laughs> and some of us are doing it better than others. And yeah. Some of us are having more fun than others. Yeah. We're all like just there was another, um, I was listening to a podcast with Rick Rubin and he was talking to uh, a friend of his who writes science textbooks for uh, medical doctors. Okay. Like not like first year, like we're talking like deep into in. their residency. Like these are the things that they need to know to do their job. Yeah. And he asked him like, how much of this is going to be relevant in 10 years? And he's like, probably a quarter of this. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the implicate? What are the implications of that? Immeasurable. Yeah. It's like, even when we have the observation of the evidence, we can replicate using the scientific method. Mm-hmm. We're still just making it up. Somebody had an idea somewhere, we replicated it, and that becomes truth for a while. I mean, if we just take, let's look 10 years ago in fitness. Yeah. I mean, the things that we were doing 10 years ago are not even close to you right now yeah you or know. even you look back at like look back at the trends of the 80s absolutely and and even further back in the 70s looking back at like what we especially in the strength world we look back at like the 70s and 80s as like peak levels of performance yep. in in strength sports yep. and in a lot of ways there are records from those time periods that have never been broken and i mean a lot of it's drugs it's like fair be be fair there and like looking back at the the cyclical nature of some of these things too. Absolutely. I mean, if we're going that far back, women weren't even on the table. No, they weren't. We weren't at the table at all. No, the first uh, in Olympic weightlifting, the first uh, world championship for women was 1987. Yep. And the first Olympics was in 2000. So yep. very new in in uh, the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Yeah. And so like now seeing, especially Olympic weightlifting, to some extent also powerlifting, uh, strongman is also becoming another thing where women are actually dominating the sport more than men. Yeah. Like the fact that this is a really, really fun yes and thing of like seeing women step up into male dominated ar- arenas, mm-hmm. them being able to say yes and I'm going to do better. There was a, a Giants Live competition very recently in the UK. There's a competition event called the Pillars of Hercules. Okay. Which is two big pillars that are weighted. Mm-hmm. I believe they're 750 pounds or something like this. And it's a, a feat of strength from Legend of, of Hercules holding these pillars. Yep. And they're tipping away from you and you need to hold on to the handles to hold these things. And it's for a timed event. Okay. I believe the woman that attempted it 
like actually broke the men's record. Wow. And was like laughing and smiling the whole time. That's crazy. And you've got these big, big, burly 380 yeah. to 450 pound men just slack jawed, like clapping, like, I don't know what's happening. We can birth children and we can hold on <laughs> to rails. <laughs> yeah. And so like, that's an amazing part of fitness of being able to say yes. And yeah, that's super cool. That's also happening like in the cycling community, women are coming up and, uh, there's still, there's still a bit of a gap, mm-hmm. but it's, it's rapidly closing. Yeah. And that's been fun to watch. And what I think is like having just kind of sprinkled back into this, what's really cool is this has a lot of science behind it. Men uh, will find their testosterone window a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Women find their testosterone window a little later. Yeah. And so a lot of the women that are dominating sports are in their 35s, 40s, 45s. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been from a 44 year old. It's been really expiring to see like these women stepping up in that, in that age frame. And that's really cool. That's it. That is. Yeah. Yeah. Inspiring in a whole different way. Yeah. Especially because many of us get past our twenties and we go, well, that's it for anything athletic and like fitness then becomes a just body composition. Yep. And being able to make that choice away from like purely body composition to like, what can I actually do? Yeah. And even if you're not going for like a pro run, right? Like you're not going to be sponsored athlete, do the things Mm -hmm. like say you're still weekend warrioring it, which is amazing. It's like that glimmer of, Oh, this could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Right. Like my body can handle this. Mm -hmm. Right. Instead of that, like, well, it's too late. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think the measure for many people is like, the marathon or half marathon. Yeah. And they look at a lot of people who've done them and they see the, like the destroyed body afterwards or the, like the month long recovery process and, yeah. uh, or like listening to people who, who've gotten into like ultra marathoning of like the, the horror stories of that and then get scared away from it. Yeah. It's like, you can also start it with like a 10 K. Right. And like for the most part, if you're a lot of times if you're weak and worrying or you're actually in a better position than if you're full-time training, yeah. right? Like we've talked about this before, the, the razor edge that you need to be on to be a performance athlete, whether it's, you know, ultra marathons, marathons to like the sport of fitness to weightlifting, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the edge you need to be on for the high level performance is a very, like we put those people on a pedestal and like the reality is, is their bodies are breaking down by the moment, mm-hmm. you know? And so if you are weekend warrior and you're, you're focused on your health, you're working out three to four times a week, you're, you know, you have an idea of nutrition, you're, you're sleeping, you're doing all those things. You could be in a better recovery position than some of the pros. Yeah. Or even like, even if you are in a, a competitive arena that, uh, the people that you are competing against that are unable to find that balance for themselves. Like you're even ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of times of like amount of times for myself as a, a coach in weightlifting or even an athlete sitting on that bench next to the person that is way too serious. Yeah. Where I'm like, dude, you're, you're the same age as I am. Yeah. We're the same weight class. I'm here cracking jokes and having a time in my life and you're here like it's your own personal hell. Yeah. Like, what are, what are we doing? So let's talk about that a little bit. So there's a fun exercise you can do. And if you have a super friend, it's the old arm test. 
right? Where you mm. stick your arm out, hold it like it's your whole job, right? Like you're going to try to, like Jeremy could do a pull up off of my left arm right now. Like that's the type of strength I want to have in it. And you start thinking about something that you despise, like just I'll use the word hate and I don't use that word very often, but think of something that gets you to that level of just like rage. Right. And a lot of times I see people when they, when they go for a lifting session or a competition, they get themselves in that frame, mm-hmm. right? That like destroy everybody yeah. frame. Right. So hold your left arm out and like think, go to that place or right arm. It doesn't matter. And have somebody press your arm down. Mm-hmm. And then do the same test, shake that out, whoa, whoa, wiggle, uh, same thing. And now think of something you love. Like you absolutely, it brings you nothing but pure joy. Like go to your happy place. Like you are like, this is the best thing I've ever done. And have somebody pull your arm down. Mm-hmm. You're going to notice a giant difference (laughs) and it's going to trend stronger towards the thing you love. Mm -hmm. You are a stronger human when you are in the place of joy and love and play. Yes. And so it's, 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 I love this time, especially it's happened a lot in the weightlifting space is, and and it happens a lot there from our, our standpoint because it is a more focused effort, mm-hmm. right? Like we can do this on a one max that one max day or five rep max day, you know, like get people into that space for weightlifters. It's fun to get them into that space and watch them stay there over yes. time. Right. And so the realization of the first time that they have a competition where they're like, Oh, this can be fun yeah. and I can enjoy it. And everything gets better when I do that. Yeah. <gasps> Weird. And you can walk up to the bar with that like little smirk and it's just like the bar is your best friend and you like, it is now like your training partner instead of this thing that you have to come in and like dominate. Right. Mm-hmm. Like how, like not only are you having a good time, we've seen massive shifts in PRs just from that switch. Absolutely. I've, I've experienced it. Yeah. And like, tying this into other areas that we emit in like methodologies or uh, modalities that we use at the gym, like tying that into like what we do with reflexive performance reset mm-hmm. of like, we look at the nervous system component of this where like anger, rage, that, that up regulatory aspect of what most people think of when they think of like lifting heavy weights. Yeah, like da 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 da. Yeah, all the the all of those types of um mindsets, the yep. the the music that comes along with it, the the machismo, the 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 ego, all yep. of that stuff. Yeah. We look at look at that from a nervous system standpoint, that's upregulation. That's arousal state. Yeah. And when we look at things like RPR, is that we're trying to find the balance of those two areas of sympathetic, parasympathetic. Yep. Fight, fight, flee, rest, digest. Like it's right in the the definition. Yep. The fight or flight. And so if we are in that stage or too far into that stage when we are going for a lift, even if it's sub-maximal, we set ourselves up for all kinds of possibilities for failure and disappointment. Yeah. And so just to like drive that home, imagine 
you know, the, this is the most common reference used for fight, flight, free, right? Like you're sleeping peacefully in your tent and a bear walks in, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have that, you are manufacturing that a level of, uh, of a spike and then yeah. saying, Hey, go focus and lift this barbell. Uh-huh. <laughs> should go well, right? Like it should be fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you're telling your nervous system to like get out, go, something has to happen. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, no, bring that calm and lift this over your head with precision and accuracy. All of the training that you've done, it has to just magically happen, happen. now. Yeah. 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 It, with, with all of those distractions and all of that adrenaline running through your system. Go, tiger. Yeah, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> you know, the, likelihood, go the likelihood is is that that's where we see the overthinking come in. 100%. This can be applied to anything outside of lifting, too. Yeah. Think about this from a, a lifestyle perspective of somebody who goes into you know, a meeting, a boardroom, completely amped up, like yeah. really like ready to go and tuned up for it. Yeah. And then... Like how much more quickly does your brain go when you're in that state? Yeah. Thoughts are firing. You're not even able to finish one sentence before you move on to the next. Yep. Whereas if you can get yourself into that balanced state, you're not only a physically stronger human, you're also a mentally stronger human. 100%. Yeah. And it's the gurus talk about it as your flow state, right? And being able to find that place where like the board meeting you you do the sales pitch and you walk out and you don't remember what happened mm-hmm. when you are in that state or you know if we're we've been talking about lifting if you're going up to the platform and you're like i don't even i like i don't remember what happened mm-hmm. that is such a, a sweet spot and we we think we have to force that right like Again, with the da 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 or the, the whatever energy that is, mm-hmm. right? And the reality is, that, like, I see this a lot. Like, uh, there was a book. It talked a lot about achieving this state, but it talked a lot about it through being, like, a rugged individual and, like, being very primally focused, mm-hmm. right? There's a big difference between focused effort and intense effort mm-hmm. in, 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 in the setup, right? Like... If we have this, like we're talking about, upregulated, intense, bah, that gets confused a lot. I see that get confused a lot with focused effort. Mm-hmm. You I know, mean, like looking at that from a standpoint of like how do we, how do we program group fitness? Yeah, it's you know, for us, gone are the days of intensity as the measure of how effective a workout is, mm-hmm. and instead, we do a lot more of four quality work. We do a lot of workouts that have very focused effort. They may feel intense or they may feel like you got... There's intensity in there. Yes, but it's not the end goal. Right. It's not the intent. Yes. And like you feel like you got worked and you're going to feel it for a couple of days in the muscles, especially some of the ones we've done lately. Yeah. And it also leaves you feeling mentally available to do more. I think so... Yesterday it was a really great example of that workout. So we did a primer of box step ups and single leg glute bridges mm-hmm. and three rounds of that. And then we went into four rounds, I believe, of mm-hmm. RDLs, heavy, heavy RDLs, mm-hmm. RP of eight. And then you take one dumbbell RDLs. And so you take one of those dumbbells and goblet squat mm-hmm. for 15, 
right? So this workout had the, the prime capability for people to achieve flow. Mm-hmm. The, the primer was enough to knock the mental out. Yes. Right. And so if you've ever gone for a run or a bike ride or uh, I'm not as familiar with the heavy lifting, like mm-hmm. a weightlifting type thing. But for me, uh, when I'm on the bike, the first 10 to 15 minutes are God awful. Every like it's like the I am a diesel engine. So like cranking and getting everything to flow and like just getting into that place takes 10 to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I know that I want to get off the bike every time in the first eight minutes. And I'm like, you just got to get through the first 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you get to that place where you could do it forever. So those first three rounds yesterday gave us the opportunity to get through that hump. Right. And plus you've already done your custom programming. So you've got, you know, part of that engine is already moving, mm-hmm. you know, box step ups relatively quickly, not like for time or anything like that. Mm-hmm. None of this workout was for time. And that was the magic of this workout. Mm-hmm. So then uh, do the primer, rest for two minutes, and then you're into the heavy, right? And I think like most people, uh, I saw women mostly in the 25 to 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a you know 50 to 70 pound uh, RDL. With dumbbells is way different than a barbell, everybody. So like, don't be like, oh, that doesn't, I yeah. can RDL that for, no, different. And then to go into a goblet squat. So you've got a little bit of an antagonist there too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so uh, in theory, your quads are resting while you're doing the RDLs. Uh, the magic in a squat is that you do get hints of both. Yes. Right? And so you get the opportunity to like dance in that flow place. Mm-hmm. You get to pick the pace that allows you to move consistently all the way through. That is where flow happens. Right. Flow happens in the place that you can maintain. Right. And so that's what's been really cool. And, and I think, you know, even we might miss the topic of conversation on this, which I'm really glad we're talking about this here. Because a lot of our members listen is being able to set yourself up to find that place mm-hmm. to allow your brain to just melt away. And there's nothing but presence in your body. The burn of the squat is going to bring that because those squats got real around mm-hmm. round three, right? And then you're back to a heavy deadlift, which by this time you just, you have sole muscle fatigue in the legs. A little bit in the core, a little bit in the lat, mostly in the legs, mm-hmm. right? And when you have that amount of blood flow through the legs, magic can happen for the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you go into that workout, like we sw- let's say we switched that workout, and that workout now becomes for time, you miss all of that. Yes. Like looking back to workouts that I've done like that for time, mm-hmm. especially if it is a, like a majorly heavy component or swap the dumbbells for a barbell or whatever it is. Yep. And then it turns into that mental pep talk that I have to have with myself every single time I you start to get to, back on the bar. You got to keep going. You yep. got to go. Let's You're sitting go. there staring at it, questioning your life. And you're in a flow state of something else where you're like, you're completely out of it and you're trying to stay out of it. Yeah. And going back into it is a, a resistance. 100%. And it's a, it can be a, depending on your level of uh, competitiveness and your level of what you're using the quote unquote community for, it can be a detriment there as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you're just beating your crap out of yourself because your last one done. Yes. 
when you take the time component away, yes, there is still that competitive thing that happens, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it becomes more of a competitive camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Like I have this with a really good friend in, in biking. And one of the reasons I signed up for the race was strictly to beat her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and if she were to win, it would be nothing but like, dude, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. It would have nothing to do with me. Right. Because does that mean that you didn't do the work you didn't achieve? You didn't get there? Right. No, it's like such a like, I I want to win. And if you're the one that wins, that's super cool too. Yeah. And that's the space that, you know, like we flash back to weightlifting, like this can be fun. Yeah. Right. Like you have these training partners day in and day out and like, yes, do you want to win? Yes. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. And when you can find that place where, all right, I didn't get it, but you did rad. Yeah. I mean, ultimately yeah. too, it's, it's things that we've talked about before. Like what does winning actually mean for you? Mm-hmm. Is winning, getting that gold star for the effort? Is that why you do this ultimately? Yeah. Uh, or is there something else that you're looking for? And I know like this is what's magical and amazing about the people at Ice House is that they are very much in that space. While there may be days where we do have some some competition, yeah. like so-and-so did whatever and yeah. I'm going to push myself a little harder, it gets to be a point where people, like, that's not the goal every single day is to go and look at the board and try to beat one person every single day. Yeah. Try to flex the ego. It's it's more like, oh, they did that? That's amazing. I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to make an attempt to reach up to where they were. Yeah. And I'm not going to beat myself up if I don't get there. Right. I know that there's training I can do. There's, I know that there's a process involved. Yep. I see what they're doing. I would like to do that and I'm going to work towards it. Yeah. That's something that I didn't understand for a long time. Yeah. Same. I am a very uh, externally motivated person. I've learned this about myself and it's a, it's a process of coming back. Like the thought of competing against myself was boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like I can do that in my imagination all day long. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. What do I like? Okay. I got 1% better. Maybe how do I measure that? Like it was mm-hmm. such a, like, so externally motivated. I love the idea of like my favorite thing is when you find that person in class that you have that little nod and it's like, oh, we're gonna have some fun today, right? Mm-hmm. And it's literally, the, the external motivation isn't about beating that person. It's like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna have some fun, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so like- Well, it's more play than competition at that point. Yes, and that's the difference. Yeah. And that's the, the, the biggest thing I didn't, understand because to me that's competition Mm -hmm. like that's how I've competed most of my life and there was a there was a time where it got weird and like I can I can reflect on that moment of time where it got to be like maybe I don't want you to win right Mm -hmm. and everything went south like performance went south health went south all of it went south Mm -hmm. because I had shifted from it's just like, this is fun. Yeah. Right. And, and it takes a special spoken or unspoken conversation to say like, I'm still going to high five you when we're done. Right. Mm -hmm. Like when you can bring other people into that type of competition play, it's really fun. There's a magic that can happen there. 
mm-hmm. and that it does go back to the intrinsic it's not the way i get there if that makes sense yes yeah yes it does for myself one of the thing one of the one of the conversations that i've had to have with myself over time is like when did when did i decide that this was a job yeah like really cool story about that keep going um like the amount of time energy effort that i put into competing in the sport of weightlifting and yes started out of as passion yeah and then became into the like when things become less novel when it's less exciting and new and we're in the deep corners of all right let's get stronger let's get more technically proficient let's drill 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 practice 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 yep that then it goes to oh like losing sight of why am i doing this yeah or finding a space to evolve past what the original why was if the original why was oh this seems really cool and i think i would really enjoy it Mm -hmm. and then when that is like okay I, i checked that box yep now what yep and now i'm deep in the deep in the process mm-hmm. i have the choice of turning it into a job this yep. is a thing i show up i check the box you know i get my paycheck quote unquote of a medal every once in a while the validation that i'm doing a good job i get the pr and then what happens when the prs dry up what happens when the medals aren't available or you because you don't know who's going to show up to Absolutely. compete against yeah uh, what happens in those things? And you're in that space. Yeah. And then you're trying to manufacture the the upregulation. Like that's when it turns into full on burnout. Yeah. And having that choice of like, okay, I can show up to a meet, bomb out and still have a great time. Share what you, you did a really amazing post on this the other day mm-hmm. on your personal page. Share that language with people because that language was so powerful. Yeah, so like for me, there was a point where my, in, at least not my entire identity, but a big part of my identity was that I was weightlifter Jeremy. Yep. Like I am a weightlifter first. Mm-hmm. That is the core por- portion of my identity. And that's exactly where a lot of this was, is that the training became a job. Yeah. Or the training became something you have to do yeah it's like oh this is the box i have to check i have a coach who's expecting like it's great because i had somebody to be accountable for yeah and then when that starts to slip and slip consistently being able to take that look back and go why why is it that i i'm not excited to go do this yeah i'm dreading going to do this i'm going to find every which way possible to put something in my way Mm -hmm. to not do it Mm mm-hmm or I'm going to catch up next week. I'll catch up the following week. Like, I'll get the extra, like, I'll, I'll get there. And so being able to look at that identity is like, instead looking at it as I am Jeremy and I sometimes lift weights. Like, weightlifting is something I enjoy. I'm no longer defined by this is my identity. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, and using this as a, a, a time and, a, and using this as a, an area of growth of like I have this great opportunity to step into myself yeah I get to become more me yeah weightlifting can still be a component of that and it doesn't have to be the defining notion of who I am yeah 
So this is, that's, that is so absolutely powerful. Mm-hmm. And I, I was wrapped up in that with CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, uh, I think we talked about this an episode or two ago, but when CrossFit hurt, I then didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. And this happened, this was a pattern that I repeated because I can remember the place on the Bradley campus that I was standing when I looked at my best friend and said, people only think I'm a basketball player and I am way more than that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what that meant and I didn't know who I was outside of basketball. I just knew it wasn't the full picture of me. It's just a sliver. Yeah. Honestly, when you look at it, you're like, this is what I spend most of my time on. Yeah. And it also has zero bearing on me as a person. 100%. And this was such a big, because I, I recently hired a coach for cycling, and this was such a big conversation I had with myself, was exactly that, right? Like, I want to be as good at cycling as I can, doing it my way, mm-hmm. right? Not, like, it's odd to me as well that I absolutely love sitting on a trainer in my basement (laughs) staring at a wall (laughs) and I can't watch movies because I can't do two things at once because (laughs) so it's literally just me in the basement my phone which is telling me how long I've been on the thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's brought so much immense joy to my life and that's the part that like when people talk about loving the process, that's what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's that shift in identity. It's that shift in the perception. I am, if I become a pro cyclist, super cool. Yeah. <laughs> Zero like expectation of that to happen. And it's that type of approach, right? And if I were to go into this saying like, well, this is what I do now. Mm-hmm. Walking down those stairs and clipping in isn't going to be as exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved the post you made. That you said that I was like, I remember I was like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> this, this right here, this. <laughs> yeah, and like for me, that was a day like I was inspired by our Blizzard barbell folks. Like they were doing the day before, they were doing heavy clean and jerks. I had a spare twenty minutes, rather than stick with what I was focusing on at the time. I was like, you know what? Let's just go downstairs and let's see what happens. Yeah. And all of that came through in that little miniature session that I had that it's like, okay, I still have the ability. Like my strength is still there. Yeah. Like I was five kilos off my best clean and jerk ever. Yeah. Was it the most, most perfect rep I've ever done? No. Would have passed in competition? Also, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fully aware of that. It would have been CrossFit, everybody. It would have been CrossFit, yes. <laughs> and uh, darn soft elbows. And I was okay with that. Like, I, could, I can make a post with an imperfect lift and say, hey, look at this. Yeah. I'm still, I'm, I'm still not only physically strong, I'm also inherently emotionally and have a strong identity or a stronger sense of identity. And that's the interweaving of those things is how we build things like resiliency. People talk about this idea of resiliency. A lot of times we talk about that physicality of it, like your tissues and your tendons and your joints and ligaments. 
What if it's also then interweaving how you see yourself, how you view yourself? How do you handle your setbacks? How do you handle the things that are less than ideal in your life? That's when we truly get to be resilient and flexible with the things around us. Because when we're inflexible with our approaches, when we are very dogmatic, we're very like, this is my silo, this is my lane, I'm staying in it, things become very brittle. Brittle systems, brittle things break. 100%. And I want to go back to something you said. You said, I have a stronger sense of identity. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to challenge that and say you have a stronger sense of self. Yes. And a less strong sense of identity. That's what I meant. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're allowing yourself to flow between mm-hmm. instead of like what you just was so beautifully said is, is boxing yourself into this brittle little shell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, so I just recently, I think it was just this morning. In one of my coaching communities, I saw this post of like, there is very much this, this, uh, the sense of identity and like how we view ourselves of the things that we hold ourselves back from. Uh, it was a coach talking about uh, a client. They were working with a client and they were feeling very frustrated because the client, a recent mother, looking back at how her body was when she was in her 20s or high school or whatever and getting down about herself in the middle of the session about parts of her body that she doesn't like viewing herself as fat and this coach is going what do i do with this yeah i'm gonna open that up how like when when either for yourself when you've been in those types of when you get trapped in whether it's a, a a physical version or an ability like how have you gotten past those things or how would you lead a client through those things? Yeah. So this is actually really cool that you bring this up because this is a really big upcoming trend. It's starting to sprinkle. Mm -hmm. Some people are doing it really well. Some people are just catching wind of it. And, uh, it's the theory of never take a before picture. Mm -hmm. Right. And so a lot of times when people get in and, and I've shared this, like I have so many start today, pictures in my sports bra and shorts, right? And the flaw behind that, with the best intention in mind, the Mm -hmm. flaw behind that is that the person that is in that before picture is not good enough. Mm -hmm. And that is, you're you're looking at that person in that photo Mm -hmm. saying, you're damaged. Mm Right. And that's the conversation that needs to happen is I'm going through, like I have a client, two clients right now that I'm super jazzed to talk about. One uh, is in this spot right now has, and it's a male uh, and it still applies. And I Mm -hmm. think people assume this happens more in females, which it does. However, men just don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Would look in the mirror and shame, disgust, fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. negative emotion, quote unquote, negative emotion has since done a lot of work and looked in the mirror and was like, wow, you're pretty cool. Mm -hmm. 15 pounds like that. There has like, yes, he started working out two days a week, Mm -hmm. not like every day, right? Moderately sedentary job. There's some activity in it, but not enough to like say it's a labor job. Mm -hmm. That's the art of coaching. Mm -hmm. 
right? That's the shift that we realized is that I can give that person who is taking the before picture and saying all of the things they don't like about themselves. And I can work with them three to four days a week for seven months and we will see moderate to mild changes. Or we will see drastic change and I will never see them again. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna say that is an always. <laughs> Having done this for almost 15 years now, that is the path. Mm -hmm. I take the person that we can have the conversation of, you are amazing right now. I am going to celebrate the shit out of you right now. I am mm -hmm. going to give you tools to help you see what I see. Mm -hmm. Drastic lifelong changes. And it has to start on the inside. We talk about this all the time. Fitness is the gateway drug. Mm -hmm. Fitness is the gateway drug to, spoiler alert everybody, self-development. I mean, in our business, it's almost 100% of the people, right, mm -hmm. in our line of work. I would say, uh, as a general broad sweeping, sweeping trend, I would venture to guess if we were putting a percentage, 70% of the people get into self-development through fitness. At some point, yes. They realize that they need to make a change, and it typically starts with looking in the mirror and not seeing what you want to see. Mm -hmm. um, and you see that from the shell, the physical components of you. Yeah. And then that starts to work inwards. Inwards. At some point. It's rare people work inside out. Yes. It happens. Mm -hmm. Like That client is one of them. He worked inside out. Back to like myself, I have a, I could probably do a photo dump on befores. Every single before down to like the closest I've ever been to a six pack, I can look at and find all of the ways I didn't like that person. Mm -hmm. And it had nothing to do with my body. It had absolutely nothing to do with the physical appearance. Mm -hmm. I have been at my goal weight. I have been at my goal body percentage. I have been through it all, right? From the moment we locked down, I didn't unlock until about three months ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> From 2020 till about three months ago. I went in. And I did all of the deep work I could figure out how to do. I hired mentors. I took programs. I invested in myself. I dropped more money than we should probably talk about on a podcast. <laughs> uh, to to look inside because mm -hmm. I I didn't have those tools. During that time, I let a lot of my fitness. I was doing the minimum maintenance road of fitness, right? Like doing some activity here and there. Yeah. yeah quote unquote worked out, hit some class workouts, did that. Deep overshare here. I am 43. I always say 44 because I'm into the year that I turn it. Sporting <laughs> age, as we call it. I am perimenopausal as a female. And that started when I was 42. So for those of you that don't understand perimenopausal, that means you get your period sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a Russian roulette game. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like I prior to this phase of this, this season of my life, I could tell you to the hour when my menstrual cycle would start. That has been gone uh, since 2019, 2020. 
if you look at my stress levels and my yes i was doing the inner work the inner work is also stress Mm -hmm. (laughs) it is a release right and it's coming back so the last so a month i think i'm at a month and a half of of getting real with cycling and cycling is something when i was a little kid a bike meant freedom A bike was my happy place. Like you could find me pedaling around the neighborhood, making ramps on culverts, like wanted to be a professional BMXer. I tried to learn tricks in the backyard until mm-hmm. I realized those hurt real bad. Uh, <laughs> Especially like, when you fall. Yeah, yeah. like I Which had the little- happens all the time. Pegs on the back. I could ride a wheelie for a block. Like that was my just ultimate happy place. Mm-hmm. Found my way to and away from cycling throughout my life right? Had a uh, cycle, started mountain biking, love road biking. It's weird here in North Dakota. People do not care that you're on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Cars are bigger than bikes. So found my way back to cycling about a month ago. I haven't technically lost weight. My hormones are starting to realign. My sleep schedule is starting to realign. My relationship with food is realigning. Mm-hmm. That has contributed to finding the thing that I absolutely loved to do when I was a little kid and making it a priority in my life. Mm-hmm. When we talk about yes and, and making that change, just like JG said in the very beginning of this, you are a kid in an adult body. Mm-hmm. And when you give yourself permission to go back and do the thing you love to do as a kid, your entire life changes that if you want the magic pill to fitness and health and and all of it i just gave it to you yeah we just gave it to you that is the thing when you can approach whatever it is you're doing in life as play and if it is not play letting it go shifting pivoting blowing it all up and finding that thing, Mm -hmm. man, I didn't know it could get this good. Yeah. I had no idea. And relating it to a story I heard from another coach, somebody that we used to work with is that he had a client who really loved beach volleyball Mm -hmm. and joined a gym because it would help him with his beach volleyball. He just inherent, that was his thing that he loved to do. Yeah. And through that singular focus to bring it back to what we were talking about of like being too hyper fixated on the thing, turning it into a job, all of his gym metrics went up. Like he got stronger, he got faster, all of the things. And then when a friend said, hey, do you want to come and play? Hey, it's, you know, the morning, it's a Saturday. You want to go? play a game out in the park he goes i'm too sore yeah i hurt too much maybe next time that's when we start to then taking the thing that we love the thing that can be play and turning it into a job even though it does spark that inherent joy and we have that inherent love for it we can you know betray ourselves in a lot of ways when we we get too serious about it. And this was the other thing that I didn't realize is that you don't have to be the best at it. Yeah. (laughs) That's still awkward for me to say. Uh, (laughs) But like, think about the people who truly are great, you know, like the Muhammad Ali's of the world Mm -hmm. aside, 
how many of them get to the end with that singular focus of I'm going to be the greatest and the best at this? Mm-hmm. Or are they in the process and loving every, most, most every, every minute of it? Yeah, absolutely. I have done my fair share of road races uh, on the bike. I have yet to finish in the top of anything. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be like top 100, but there's usually only like five women yeah. so like <laughs> in the top five, which sounds impressive, but it's not uh, like my first five road races. I got dropped, which means that like, you can't keep up with the, all of the people that are racing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't walk out in like this phenom. However, I've always known that that's the thing that makes me feel really cool. Mm-hmm. And that is that little kid with the streamers and turning every culvert into a ramp. Mm-hmm. Right. It's becoming the man in the arena. Like stepping in. Woman. Woman. <laughs> yeah. 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 And like this is I know that people who are successful say this a lot. They say that like it's not about the achievement and it's not about the financials and it's not about any of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know that it is like myself included used to look at those people and say, yeah, but you have all those things. So that's really easy to say. Mm-hmm. I can say I don't have all of those things to where I would feel really super comfortable. Mm-hmm. Still the happiest I've ever been. And that tells me that I'm on the right path to those things happening. Yes. Because there's you know, this is another avenue of everything we're talking about of the, when we're so focused on what we, what we don't have. Yeah. When we're so focused on, this is the, the impatience I know I struggle with of like, I can see where we're going. I can see where I want to be and I want to be there right now. And suffering and or misery happen when you're in denial of reality. Yeah. Or like, okay, I want to get there saying yes to it. And all right, this is the path I have to, this is the path I get to follow now that I've decided that this is where I want to go. Yeah. I say it all the time. If you're not getting what you want, it's because you don't want it enough or you're trying to bargain for the price. And that is timeline most of the time for all of us. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I want to be a millionaire and I want it to happen yesterday without any work, without any risk, without any growth. And... There's a difference between putting in the work for work's sake yes, and putting in the right work. Mm-hmm. I put in a lot of work for work's sake. Yeah. I've been real busy for a long time. Same. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that mindset of like, I'm trying to rush to the end. 100%. I like, this is a, a, a really great quote from a book I read recently of like most, it has to do with men, but like I see this with, with women as well. Anybody in the world, any gender identity mm-hmm. is that we're racing to the end. Yeah. You know, what's the end? Ultimately, what is the end for all of us yeah. is death. Yep. I'm going to race to the end. I'm going to, I'm going to get to a retirement as fast as I possibly can. And then what? And then what? How about we just enjoy the ride a little bit more? Because the same thing, like, I will admit, chronic speeder, like, I'm trying to get everywhere fast. Yeah. And it's been a, the most agonizing <laughs> and terrible thing for myself to physically start to slow down in my driving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 
have the best mental image right now. And it's, uh, <sighs> for those of you who know Fargo, some of the one ways, they're like 30 miles an hour. And somebody who will be going 28 miles an hour, I know because I have the little heads up and it tells me exactly, like I can see it. <laughs> and, and like the amount of times that that sends me to an 11 out of 10 mm-hmm. is way too often. Yeah. And having that realization for myself of like, what's actually at stake here? Like, like, I'm gonna get. To I'm gonna get to the. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to the gym. Forty-five, and I. I don't need to actually be there for three hours, three more hours. Like, what's my friggin' hurry? What am I racing against? Yeah. Are those extra forty-five seconds going to make all the difference? I know our time on this planet and in this existence is finite, and like it's. Yes. Um, yeah. What's the hurry? Yeah. Can I? Could I also use that time to set myself out better? So I'm not rushing in to wherever I'm going, feeling like this big ball of chaotic energy. Just rushing in to be three hours early. (laughs) (laughs) I I gotta get there. I like, yeah. Then there's this, this idea or this, like, uh, this pressure of like, I have to get there at this point. Yeah. If I'm late, I'm late. Also, if you're already late. Might as well stop and get coffee. That's my that's my go to, but like that's a different go to. <laughs> that's such a like that, that's such a I don't know what that is for me, but like it's a it's a chronic thing of like I have to be there. You can have be coffee like, or you can be on time, but you can't have both. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, I'm I'm gonna be there one minute later than I expected. It's mm-hmm. the it's, the world's gonna end. It's like, no, it's not. It's fine. No, it'll be fine. Like yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's a, a, a German thing or what, but it has to be punctual. It has to be on time. Uh, must be exactly. Um, but like, we should do a whole episode with you in a German accent. <laughs> Get real weird. You take German, I'll take Southern. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, Tune in next week, everybody. <laughs> Ice House goes extra weird. <laughs> Like that could be something for yourself as well. If you find yourself being the type of person who is driving through their lives, either physically or metaphorically, 30 miles over the speed limit. I'm saying that's what I do. It's usually like 10. And like, even if it is just 10, even if it's five, even if it's two, can you actually physically slow yourself down? Can you speak slowly? Yeah. Can you walk more slowly? What changes when you do that? What do you notice? What sorts of things come up when you find yourself having to slow down? Yeah, that's a big one for people. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that with the story work process. Yep. Slowing down the read forces you to feel it. Yep. If we slow ourselves down in our day to day, we also have to feel things. Yeah. We... We avoid the glazing over. I'll, I'll feel that later. Yeah. I'll deal with that later. Yeah. How's that working out, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> this has been amazing. Yeah, it's been fun. This has been. Thanks uh, for listening to us, everybody. Yeah. Until next week, Coach Jeremy. Coach Mo. As always, thank you for listening. Like, subscribe, share. Give us a review on any of your favorite podcast platforms. We very much appreciate it. And until next time, have an awesome rest of your day. Bye, everybody.